a very special day here at Southern Hills. Um, cannot believe this took 15 weeks. But today we received an email tip-off that someone successfully spanked it to this podcast. I mean, as a female in today's society, we knew it was going to happen at one point or another, and we applaud your creativity. Yeah, and thanks for letting us know. And I would say I'm honored, but you people were jerk off to anything, so... Yeah. So mostly what we felt was a lack of surprise and confusion. <laughs> yeah, that about sums it up. So I don't I don't know though. I mean someone spanked it to this podcast, you know, that happened. One time that we know of. And Right. And that's only because they were nice enough to let us know. Yeah, so <laughs> really put the tip in tip off. <laughs> Aww. Well, I'm just happy that it was you all who was on the receiving end of that information. <laughs> oh, yeah, that reminds me. Um, So my email address <laughs> is functional now. And that being said, if you, if you spank it to this podcast and you just want to tell us about it, send that information to kelly at southernhells.com. <laughs> That's the appropriate place for all your spanking it um, contributions. Do not send it to southernhells at gmail.com. No, I am trying to stay willfully ignorant here. This is kind of related to spanking it, but I've been having these ass lifting jeans marketed to me pretty aggressively for months and Rachel Googled them and now she's getting marketed to you. Yes. They are fucking hideous. They are god awful. Why? It would be cool if, you know, it was a discreet ass-lifting apparatus, but it's just clearly the ass-lifting gene. So if you're going to wear those in public, you're advertising to everyone, I wish my ass was higher off the ground. It's true. It's saying, I don't want to do the squats to make this happen. I just want it to be there. <laughs> I mean, I can relate to that, but like, I'm I don't totally... want everyone to know that. Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not trying to advertise it. Like, I'm totally cool with the... Some of my male friends used to argue with me about this. They're like, it's false advertising to wear a push-up bra or whatever. They don't naturally just stand up like that. Yeah. No one's do that. If it's, you've it's... ever seen a set of titties, you should know better. Exactly. But cleavage looks awesome. That's undeniable. Uh, Welcome back to Southern Hills. I'm Rachel. And I'm Kelly. And today's episode is about nostalgia. As millennial women, we fucking love nostalgia. It's true. We really do. I love seeing things that I remember from my childhood marketed directly to my adult person. Yeah, I love being marketed to. I yes. love being pandered to. Ooh, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it coming. My sister for Christmas one year bought me this um, handmade sewing apron, and it's Rugrats fabric because she had this thing i love the rugrats so much when i was a kid that she was like i'm gonna get you a rugrats training bra oh no such bra ever existed really it didn't it didn't happen wow that's surprising i know you would think girls loved rugrats too but most of it was marketed to boys hmm. which is silly yeah i was definitely a nicktoons kid there's different kinds of kids i have figured this out as an adult there were the nicktoons kids there were the disney kids and there were the cartoon network kids which were you? I was a combination. Like, I loved Angry Beavers and Rocco's Modern Life. 
and are real monsters. But I also loved um, Dexter's Lab and what else was it? There was Cow and Chicken. Oh, God, I loved Cow and Chicken. And Two Stupid Dogs. See, I was not a Cartoon Network kid. I was just on the Cartoon Network <clears throat> periphery, okay? But our little cousin was a Cartoon Network kid, so we got to watch all that stuff when we went over there to play. But, yeah, it was just always Nickelodeon in the Poe House. Do you remember when Cartoon Network first came out and it was like Nickelodeon did Nickelodeon during the day and then Nick at Night where they did old reruns yeah. thinking that kids went to bed. And then Cartoon Network was 24-7, baby. Yeah, that was a game changer. They did sort of a Nick at Night thing where if you were the weird kid like me and were awake at 3 in the morning, you had to watch um, the Jetsons and the Flintstones. Oh, yeah. But you also could get lucky <clears throat> and catch Space Ghost Coast to Coast. I loved Space Ghost. I did too. Every now and then I'll go back and watch an episode and the humor is like so good. It's pretty advanced for a... I don't even... This, I mean, I guess it was on Cartoon Network, so yeah, it's a children's show, but I remember thinking, this is some advanced stuff. Yeah, like Zoltar? Yeah. Wait. Oh yeah, I forgot about Zoltar. He was always just in the background making really sardonic remarks. <laughs> so yeah, Rachel, something Rachel and I have noticed is that particularly millennials right now, are being heavily marketed to using nostalgic marketing. And we're obviously in favor of that because as we just said, it feels good and we're into it. But I was really curious, um, why is nostalgic marketing so effective? Because this isn't, you know, just me and Rachel being into it. This is a cultural phenomenon that kind of encompasses everyone in our age group. So yeah, we're going to get into that, what it is, um, and why it's so effective. Yeah. So right now, there's kind of this thing on social media that I, I remember. Um, I mean, I started out on social media with MySpace like a lot of our generation did. And at that point, people were posting things like, um, if you were born in 1989, you don't remember the 80s and don't call yourself an 80s kid. Yeah. And now the same thing is happening, but with 90s stuff. <clears throat> and what blew my mind about that is it's really silly like, it's not like the 80s just vaporized the time it turned 1990. Like, my siblings were six and eight years older than me. So even though I grew up, or I was born in the in the very late 80s, I remember the Thundercats. I watched that. I watched She-Ra. I loved She-Ra. So it's, it's kind of like, you ha there's an overlap and exposure on these things. And it's just really funny that we turn these nostalgic things into elitist things. Yeah, it's I guess it's its own flavor of gatekeeping. Ooh. But I do strongly identify as a 90s kid. I've never thought of myself as an 80s kid, even though I was also born in the late 80s. But I don't know, when I think about my childhood, I do kind of think about cultural icons of that time period. Like the Adventures of Pete and Pete. That was actually one of the things that we bonded over. Exactly. Do oh, you yeah, remember as we... teenagers? I had the DVDs. Yeah, you had the DVDs, and this blew our mind. We tried to. There's one lyric in the theme song that no one knew. <laughs> no one knew it. It was impossible. You would Google it, and then it would always have like some like ambiguation of what they thought it said. That's true, man. I forgot about that. Finally, it came out. It like existed. It's, you can find the actual lyrics now, but whenever we were watching the DVDs, you couldn't. Yeah, I, I want to say we even tried it with the subtitles and it was just like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Pete, Pete was so good. Even though it was just a TV show, albeit a 
fucking awesome one. When I think about The Avengers of Pete and Pete, I feel happy because I just, I associate that show with happy feelings at that point in my lifetime. So either laughing with Rachel or playing with my brother as kids. It's kind of funny. This is something I was going to talk about, so it may as well be here. Nostalgia used to be considered a mental disorder. (laughs) (laughs) As all good things begin. Because it does. It has extreme effects on your mood. I'll get into some of those in a minute. But the term was coined in the 1600s by a Swiss doctor, and he considered it to be a disorder. He attributed the mental and physical ailments of soldiers to a longing to return home. So he coined the word nostalgia, which is made of two Greek words, uh, nostos, home, and algos, pain. So it's literally home pain. I didn't know that. That's pretty poignant. Yeah, and Apparently, um, nostalgia is usually triggered by negative events or negative feelings like feeling lonely or feeling homesick. Hmm. So soldiers would feel nostalgic about their life back home and their childhood memories, and it would have pretty devastating effects on them. Doesn't mean it's a disorder. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was pretty crazy. Imagine if every emotion like nostalgia was considered a disorder at one time or another. Be like, I'm feeling malaise. Oh, no, I'm down with it. Oh, this emotion makes our soldiers not fight so good. It's a disorder. Yeah, we'll just treat it. But it would make sense that you would feel heavy feelings of nostalgia in that kind of environment because it has such extreme effects on our mood. When you wax nostalgic, you feel happy. Oh, I should say I got most of my information from an article that was in the New York Times written by John Tierney. It is called... What is nostalgia good for? Quite a bit, research shows. And they compiled a lot of studies that all kind of say the same thing, which is that nostalgia makes you feel really good. Hmm. So, um, <clears throat> And these effects are not even necessarily psychological. They can also be physiological. I thought the most interesting one was that in one study, um, they put people in cold rooms and people in warm rooms. And the people in a colder room were more likely to wax nostalgic than people in the warm rooms. And of the people who wax nostalgic in the cold rooms, they reported feeling warmer afterward. So if you're physically uncomfortable, it can actually make you feel physically better. That's so weird. Yeah. I I remember seeing this thing. There are these monks somewhere who can sleep in sub-zero degree weather with just a sheet. Like they're oh, wow. able to regulate their body temperature with their mind. So it's weird to think that that's possible. And I didn't, I never would have thought that nostalgia would be so deep in your brain that you could tap into it and it actually affect you physiologically. Yeah, I had no idea either. But apparently, a memory can bring forth physiological comfort. I will remember cool. that. <laughs> the next time I'm feeling real awkward, I'm going to remember a time I didn't <laughs> feel so awkward. <laughs> Yeah, the next time someone blasts the AC, I'm going to be like, Pete and Pete. (laughs) (laughs) Take me home, Artie. (laughs) But yeah, I was just going to reiterate, um, nostalgia is often triggered by negative events and feelings. And yeah, it makes sense when you realize that it can actually make you more physically comfortable. So when you're put in a stressful situation, if you think about a memory that made you happy, it can comfort you emotionally and make you feel better physically. I'm going to try it, see what happens. Because sometimes I feel so awkward. Oh my God. Yeah, me too. Ooh, I'm a blusher. You know, that is my like involuntary quirk that I fucking hate. I wonder if I could like tap into this. We'll have to try it. I'll ha- we'll experiment. <laughs> You're blushing now. It's it's Ah, see, I can't I can't say the word blush 
or if I feel anything ever or think anything ever, my face turns red. It's awful. <laughs> Kelly's nostalgic for blushing. It's affecting her physiologically. <laughs> yeah. And then if you call attention to it, it's, it's game over. You're like, I want to kill you. Stop it. <laughs> Part of why we wanted to talk about this is, um, first of all, nostalgia is super, super fun. But also, there's a lot of stuff going on right now that is very throwback intentionally, like Surge made a comeback. And I remember the first time I was at a gas station and I saw Surge, it was so exciting. I like, I didn't even really like Surge that much, but it was just like, oh my God, this was the thing that I wasn't allowed to have when I was a kid. Yeah, even in its heyday, Surge was, I don't, it was just so fucking popular. It was a soda pop. It but was, it was the cool. Tide Pod. Yeah. Oh, so it was like a meme. It was the forbidden fruit. Wow. <laughs> I wonder, because, you know, the like word on the street was that it was so super caffeinated. Yeah, it was like the OG energy drink. Was it actually super caffeinated? Oh, I have no idea. I've never like <laughs> actually Googled it. I haven't either. We should do that some other time. <laughs> Not today. <laughs> But yeah, Surge made a comeback. Uh, we were talking earlier about the show Stranger Things. That series is kind of a love letter to the 80s. I mean, the score, the advertising materials, the wardrobe. Yeah, Stranger Things is great. It's it's a buddy movie. Like, there were a lot of those in the 80s. Like, you that's had true. Stand By Me. And maybe that's one of the reasons why it was so wildly successful. Because it is so immersive into that time period. And it does elicit these really strong feelings of nostalgia. Hmm. Makes you wonder. Story's also really good, too. Yeah. That story, like, it really does depend on the 80s atmosphere to really be told. So, yeah. And to a much lesser degree, of course. There was a Trolls movie. <laughs> My niece has some Trolls lip gloss that she's super into. Aww. The Trolls movie actually made us think when we were kids, the Trolls, the, the generation that would have had Trolls are currently the parents. And when we were kids, there were a lot of movies that were coming out that were marketed to our parents. Yeah, I was thinking about that. So we were kids in the 90s, and during that time, the 60s made a huge comeback. Dazed and Confused, that might, was that 70s? It doesn't fucking matter. And Woodstock. Yeah. Made a comeback in the fashion. I had bell bottoms, I had tie dye, I had happy face, yin yang, peace sign, everything. I think that that's what you're talking about. That was part of a marketing campaign toward our parents. Because who has the wallet? Right. Who has disposable income? People in their late 20s, early 30s. Yeah. So it's kind of cool that it just keeps going. Like every generation, even though we all like to think we're just totally bucking the rules and going our own way, we're all influenced by our parents' stuff. And part of it is because it gets remarketed. Yeah. And just as far as fashion goes right now, <clears throat> uh, Chokers made a huge comeback. Fishnet. I was pretty happy Chokers made a comeback because I loved my tattoo necklace when I was in middle school. Yeah. I can't believe those came back. I don't have any tattoo Chokers anymore, but I used to rock one. Yeah. Then I, I mean, I upgraded to the, the slightly more adult, um, just simple leather Choker when that was. Yeah. I, I have a collection of Chokers. I'm into it. But it's kind of funny. I mean, as we just demonstrated, nostalgia marketing is not unique to millennials, but it is heavily associated with millennials, which makes me laugh because as we've said in previous episodes, millennials are pretty depressed. <laughs> so it's like, oh, it feels so bad. You know what made me feel good? The 90s. <laughs> Time travel. <laughs> 
saw something. Right now, vintage video games are really popular. It's like a cool thing to collect and they're skyrocketing in price. And then if you compare that to the 80s when, you know, G.I. Joe's from the 50s and 60s really up their value, it's kind of the same thing. And you don't really realize that as it's happening, things become so ubiquitous. Like you go to every friend's house. Every friend has a Super Nintendo. Every friend has, you know, the same set of games that you have for the most part. But those are only manufactured in limited quantities. So it seems ubiquitous and infinite because you're so exposed to it. And now when you go to look for those things, they're finite because people collect them. Hmm. I really like the whole, we actually just got our Super Nintendo Mini, the classic yesterday. I was playing the crap out of it with Colin. We were rocking some Super Mario World. <laughs> I guess I should have said this when I talked about the cold room study, but there was another study that I thought was pretty cool. Researchers had participants read about a deadly disaster and then take a personality test. And the personality test was set up to tell them that they were an exceptionally lonely person. What? Which, yeah, it's kind of fucked up. But, but people who were either sad about the disaster victims or worried about being a lonely person mm. were, were more likely to feel feelings of nostalgia. And after they would feel those feelings, they would feel better. Weird. Yeah, so if it really is something that we employ, which I did not know. I didn't either. I wonder, I wonder like as a species, how this happened. Like, how did we, I mean, at this point, from what you're saying, it sounds like a skill that we have, this ability to self-soothe remembering things. So I wonder what purpose that served. It had to be there. I don't know what it would be, but it's cool to think about. Like, imagine, um, well, I guess when you feel discomfort, be it emotional or physical, you want inherently to be comforted. And if there's no external source of comfort, like if you're in a clinical lab or something, <laughs> so you subconsciously try to comfort yourself and maybe the most readily available thing is your own memories. That makes sense. And it's kind of hilarious that that phenomena is being exploited. I guess. <laughs> Weaponized. <laughs> um, okay, I'll touch on this a little, but I found this article strangely hilarious. It's called Why Nostalgia Marketing Works So Well with Millennials and How Your Brand Can Benefit. <laughs> it was written by Lauren Friedman for Forbes magazine. Uh. And yeah, this is, you know, it's for businessmen or I'm sorry, it's for business persons to say, hey, nostalgia marketing has been proven to work and here's how you can use it on millennials because we're the ones with the wallets right now, as Rachel said. And yeah, so nostalgia marketing, it taps into positive cultural memories from previous decades. Right now, the big one is the 90s. And um, a really good example, that's Pokemon Go. Well, oh my God, that was like the happiest time Yes, I, it's it kind of sucks. It was so short lived, but that summer we would go to the park or to downtown Chattanooga, and it was absolutely crawling with everyone playing Pokemon Go, and people were just smiling and talking to strangers. And if there was a rare one, everyone would be like that way. Yeah, so. it was absolutely ravenous. But we maybe part of that is we were feeling nostalgia for you know playing Pokemon as children. I'm sure that's I and also one that I noticed very recently and that is mentioned in here too. Do you remember when Herbal Essences shampoo came out in the 90s and they had the commercial of the woman having an orgasm shampoo yes. in her hair? 
And you were too little to understand why she was enjoying what was going on so much. Exactly. I didn't know what an orgasm was or what it looked like, but I was like, man, this is some kick-ass shampoo. But the old bottles are back. I noticed what? this at the store. They used to have the see-through bottle with the picture of a flower or herb inside, and you could see it through the shampoo, and I thought it was so cool as a kid. They have those again. That's very deliberate. Ooh. Because when I saw that, I have never, as an adult, been like, I'm going to buy some herbal essence shampoo. <laughs> But I thought about it. Whoa, so yeah. it almost worked. Yeah. But the real question is, did you jizz in your pants after you <laughs> bought it? I refuse to answer that, Rachel. Jury's out. <laughs> Kelly, you mentioned earlier that someone was baiting to our episode. Was it you? <laughs> oh, man, I've never tried. That would be like the next level of narcissism. Like, there's no going back. Yeah, masturbating is the last thing I want to do when I hear my own voice. <laughs> <laughs> Shoving sharpened pencils in my ears. Hanging myself in a closet. <laughs> <laughs> this article goes on to say, uh, nostalgia marketing, it, it really humanizes a brand. So something that came to mind for me, I have this friend who posts the most philosophical memes and they're all really, really funny and really well thought out. I don't know where he finds them. He posted something and I looked forever for it. But it was basically about how, as a country, we're constantly trying to get past, get back to a past we never had. It was like, if you look at the 50s, the 50s were horrible for women and blacks. And actually, let me rephrase that. The 50s were horrible for anyone who wasn't a white man. A straight white man, yeah. A straight white man, yeah. So there's all these brands right now that are trying to market to simplifying your lifestyle by being like, hey, we only use these five ingredients. Hey, our leather is hand strop. And it's like they're leaning towards a history where, you know, a pre-industrial America. It's like that part of our history is very brief. Oh, yeah. So it's it's kind of like, we were never going to be simple. That was never going <laughs> to happen. You're no. not going to live on a farm. We've always been eating out of cans, yo. Yeah. And... I had a friend who actually did that. Like she did the whole, that's it. I'm going to go live on a farm and it's going to be amazing. And then it was not. She did not have a good time. She was like, I hated that my nearest neighbor was literally a mile away on I, either side. I hear people say this shit. Like, I'm just going to go off the grid and go live off the land. I mean, do you actually think that is an enjoyable existence despite the crushing loneliness that's a lot of fucking work. Yeah, a lot of work. The city in the world that has the highest um, life expectancy has nothing to do with their health. And it's everybody lives really close together and they're very familial there. So like everyone takes care of everyone. Everyone knows everyone. And um, that people sounds are... like its own kind of hell, Rachel. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> I'm not really down with that. I'm um, an American. I mean, I tend to lean on the American philosophy of good fences make good neighbors. Yes. Like, um, I'm happy to know you a little bit. Where I live, we like to use the phrase, I won't call the cops if you don't. <laughs> and by we, I mean me. <laughs> <laughs> Your phrase is, I have this ultrasonic dog whistle. <laughs> Your fucking dog doesn't stop barking. I will train your damn dog from the comfort of my own home. It can be done. Ask me how. <laughs> it's kind of funny that once you see through the lens, like after after reading about this and I thought about, it's really easy to look at videos where they're like, hey, look, all our shoes are handmade. Here's 
someone hammering out the leather over a last. And it's like, man, that's really cool. Because remember, I did all that research where I was like, I'm going to make a pair of shoes. Mm -hmm. I haven't done it yet, but I will. Um, So it's just really cool to think, okay, these people are marketing to me nostalgically. I experienced the 90s. I love Rocco's Modern Life. I never had a cobbler in my neighborhood. Yeah, I'm kind of amazed. I was just at the mall the other day and there's a cobbler in the mall. And when I walked by, they were repairing a pair of shoes. And I was like... Man, how many of these guys are left? Man, is that my calling, Kelly? (laughs) I'm going to say no. Kelly. But maybe. I could be a cobbler. (laughs) Millennials are killing the cobbler industry. Oh, damn it. If only I knew how to cobble. (laughs) The high C ecto cooler. It came back when they did a Ghostbusters reboot. Colin is going to be brokenhearted. He loved ecto cooler. And there's some juice that he buys occasionally because it reminds him of ecto cooler. I did not purchase any myself, but I did see the hoopla on the internet. But it's funny because when you see that, you're just like, oh, high C. I can relate to that company. They are trying to connect with me because... Yeah, they're marketing to me. Yeah. And it makes them feel more human. Whoa. But it's it's kind of funny because it's a tactic. Yeah. It's, it's a manipulation in a sense. But we're into it. Yes, I'm totally cool with it. Feverishly. Keep it coming. Something they go on to say in this article that I thought was hilarious. Uh, here's a word of advice to marketers. Follow Throwback Thursday hashtags and see what's trending in nostalgia. Ooh. Oh, that's some sneaky shit. That is. I'm going to start Throwback Thursday. I don't know. What was like really shitty in the 90s? I know something Motherfucking was. kangaroo dunks. Bring them back. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Those were cool. Yeah. Dunkaroos. Dunkaroos. But it would be funny if we pick something that we can all agree was not cool in the 90s and just pretend it was cool and see if it comes back. Are they watching? Ooh. Where's my I- tinfoil hat when I need it? Did we already do that, though? Because remember the the squiggly design that was on Solo Cups that's back? Oh, yeah. I had an espresso, not recently, but not that long ago, like, in that cup, and it blew my mind. Wow. Like, we brought it so far back that it now exists on something that it never existed on before. It's funny that I know what you're talking about. It was the teal squiggle with a purple squiggle over it. Exactly. (laughs) And every time I see that, I think about getting snacks with my mom. You know, like... I think about field day. Oh, yeah, (laughs) field day. There's another thing that makes me think of my mom. These... Actually, I was leaning away from the mic and hoping you couldn't hear me eating them (laughs) but it's easter candy the cadbury mini eggs every time i eat those i'm a cadbury cream egg person my mom was all about like the robin's egg mini eggs so every time i eat them i think about my mom and also they're delicious man i also have an easter candy that makes me think of mom but it's the easter egg gum we always got Easter egg gum. We didn't get the mini eggs or the cream eggs. Shit's legit. Yes. Yes, it is. So on the millennial nostalgia train, I thought it was interesting to read this because my intuition already told me the same thing, but nostalgia levels are highest in young adults and people in old age. It dips when you're in your middle age years. So it's like you really value nostalgia and then not so much and then it comes back. Um, I wonder why that is. Well, what they think is that, like we said before, nostalgia comforts you. It makes you feel good feelings when you're feeling bad feelings. And those are two transition periods. So in your 30s, you're just so depressed that you don't care anymore. Well, (laughs) it took me a second to process that completely. (laughs) 
in your 30s you're just so hey, depressing hey, <laughs> hey wait a wait a god darn minute <laughs> 30s is not middle-aged true that kelly's right <laughs> i'm i'm a millennial damn it i am too and I, whatever middle age is like 45 years old and on top of that Maybe that's true for past generations that they didn't need as much comforting, but shit is real for us. Yeah. Right now. yeah. Keep the ecto cooler coming, y'all. We're trying to ecto cooler our way out of some real <laughs> problems. No, but okay, young adulthood, not middle aged, but <laughs> it's a transition period. So you move from home and then you start a new career. You, um, in many cases, get married or settle down. Those are big transitions. And then when you're middle age, you kind of exist on that plateau. And then you get ready to die. <laughs> fair, fair. Life, the synopsis <laughs> by Kelly. I actually, <clears throat> this older lady that I know, she's not old, but she's older than I am. We were talking about 90s bands, and I was going to see Nine Inch Nails, and yeah, it was pretty fun, and I, and she asked me, she was like, oh, what are you going to do this weekend? And I was like, oh, I'm going to see Nine Inch Nails, and she was like, oh, what did they sing? And I, I could only think of, like, what people would know them for, which is closer, Yeah. and I was like, uh, they were pretty big in the 90s, and she, <laughs> this still cracks me up to think about it, she said, I don't remember the 90s. I had four kids. I have no memory of what was on the radio. I was very busy. <laughs> and you're like, it's probably for the best. Do you remember? I hope you do not cut this because it's fucking hilarious. It has nothing to do with anything. But I won tickets to see Combi Christ. <gasps> and Rachel went with me. And <laughs> she got glitter bombed. <gasps> oh my god. And I was... I had... The job that I have now, which is, like, my, I guess, somewhat big girl job, I was like, oh, God, Kelly, my scalp, I was relatively <laughs> new, and my scalp was covered in she, glitter. She could not get the glitter out of her hair completely, so she had to go to work, like, glittery, and of course, people are like, what's with the glitter, Rachel? So she says, oh, I went to a concert last night. Oh, who'd you see? <laughs> and she was so mortified that she had to be like, I saw Combi Christ. <laughs> because all the dudes that I work with are like super conservative, you know, Christian-y. And I'm like, they were fun. Mine are too, but I got called out on one of my first days. I'm not even kidding. A member of management was like, you look like you listen to Susie and the Banshees. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? Yeah, that shit's legit. And then we talked about bands. And so Kat was out of the bag immediately. I didn't. I never had to worry about that. <sighs> I could just feel the judgment. I oh, could feel it. I understand. But it is vicariously hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, why is your hair covered in glitter? Why do you look sleepy? Well, <laughs> the funny thing is that it wasn't even just like, Hello, Tennessee glitter bomb. The show was over. Very <laughs> yeah, like some dude <coughs> just decided to glitter bomb Rachel at the end of the night. <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh my god! At that show, we actually got a drum head and drumstick. 
And, yeah, and a drumstick. And I remember us threatening these dudes who were like, it's cool if you're on the edge of the pit. We were not on the edge of the pit. So we were not where you should be hitting people in the pit. We were in front of like the, the last row of you're in pit danger zone. Yeah, that's always a fucking problem. I'm whatever. So we were just like, I just remember you were wielding the <laughs> the like drum head and I had the the drumstick and we were just like shield and I was ready to wail. Yeah, yeah drum head makes a pretty good shield. I also remember when we were at a safe distance, we kind of <laughs> and the pit was going crazy, we kind of banged the drumstick on the drum head like oh, yeah. and made a battle cry. <laughs> I forgot about that. Also, that was really fun. fucking moshes to call me cries? Yeah, Come let's, on. God. Speaking of nostalgia, <laughs> if you were trying to start a push mosh, nobody likes that anymore. It's not cool anymore. I came here to fucking watch a band. I didn't come here to wrestle with a goddamn juggalo. Quit your push moshing. <laughs> get rid of your combat boots. Well, you don't have to get rid of your combat boots. I got stuck in the most wild ass mosh pit of my life i was so fucking unsuspecting because it was skinny puppy what skinny puppy okay and i had seen them once before and it was great vibes but there was one fucking guy who was just trying to get a pit going and everyone is like dude fuck off but all the other meatheads in the crowd saw him and flocked to him and before i knew it i was stuck in a really crazy ass violent push pit i mean Uh. even the guy on stage it was not skinny puppy so i can say the guy it was someone else but he was like man you guys are rowdy (laughs) but it happened so fast and i was standing beside another terrified woman and i watched her get headbutt and her nose exploded into blood i was like sprayed with blood oh and for a second i was just in shock like what the fuck do i do but then um, no one else was helping her. So I kind of took her by the shoulders and led her out and handed her to a security guard and said, she's really hurt. And they disappeared. <laughs> but that shit was scary. Yeah, that's pretty intense. Yeah, and I get it. I've been going to heavy shows my entire adult life. I don't want to be in the pit, so I stand in the back. But damn, do y'all have to mosh to everything? Seriously. And the thing that bothers me, there's always the, like, pits never bother me either. And every now and then you can join in and it's fun. But there's always the one guy who's like, I'm the recruiter. I'm the pit recruiter. Like, I'm just going to hit random people. Yes. And it's like, that's not how this works. No. The pit is for consenting adults. You just reminded me, we were at a show in Chattanooga. This was in the early K-Ray days. My boyfriend's man was playing. And... There was a guy who decided, I'm so jacked up on whatever the fuck I just took. I'm fucking this up for everybody. So instead of just moshing in the pit, you know, there's a circle around the pit to give them their space. He would run around the circle, just like hitting people. So we were trying to slap him in the balls every time he passed. Do you remember that guy? Yes, I do. He's the recruiter. There's always one. And we do not tolerate. I mean, I think we made contact a couple of times. I don't think he could feel it, but maybe he felt it the next day. I would hope so. And I hope that maybe we're helping to eliminate, maybe through eugenics, with this one guy, (laughs) the pit recruiter. (laughs) Like the people that want to be in are in, my God. Yeah. Just here to listen to some damn music. I'm too old for this shit. Yeah, we've been doing this for a long time. We know what's up. Just because you're trying to reinvent the rules, buddy. (laughs) 
I feel like I feel like I just I just said that sentence and then a walker appeared. <laughs> a cane just materializes in your hand, and you're oh, like, "Oh no, Tom. I'm ready. <laughs> Bring it on, um, man." That got off topic. Oh God, <laughs> I'm leaving all far. It, it started kind of related, and then it just spiraled into ball slapping, <laughs> as it's prone to do around these parts. We're okay with it. We hope that you enjoyed listening to our nostalgic moment about <laughs> wailing on dudes in pits. Oh, yeah. We can kind of talk about whatever the fuck we want and just put it under the umbrella of nostalgia. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Your face was priceless. I, I've been doing this thing where I lean away from the mic and eat candy, hoping that the mic doesn't catch me eating candy. And I almost ate it just now. She almost fell out of her chair. And for a second, I was like, this is going to go either way. And it's funny because like as she's falling, she's still grabbing for the chocolate eggs. <laughs> like if I go down, you're coming down with me. <laughs> Oh my god. We have too many dogs for the five second rule. <laughs> I think that as I was falling, you could you could hear internally in the arms. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's funny. <laughs> For now whenever I hear that song, I'm gonna think about your face. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, re-nostalgia. The one force, the cultural force that I have the biggest nostalgia boner for is The Simpsons. Kelly wants a Simpsons tattoo. She's I devoted. Do. I really want one, but I haven't gotten one yet. But Mac released a Simpsons line. Do you remember? You do remember because you bought me a lipstick from there. Yes, I do. And of course, when it came out, I was a broke college student, so I couldn't buy all of the things. But if it made a resurgence, I'm just saying. <laughs> no one would be upset. <laughs> I don't remember. I remember as soon as I saw it, I was like, I don't care how much of this is. I have to get it for Kelly. Oh, my God. And Universal Studios added on the Springfield wing, which is balls. And I, I don't know what the fuck they're offering as Duff, but I do know that I drink it when I go there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for her to chew and swallow. Oh, oh that's no. what he said. Chew and swallow? Oh, God. Kinky. What is in his sperm? <laughs> um, I kind of wonder what's going to happen with the Simpsons wing of Universal now that Disney owns Fox. That's a really good question. They better not get rid of it because I will be upset. I will be very upset unless what if Disney World made a whole simpsons park because they're doing that with star wars now they're doing a whole park for star wars i read that on the internet once wow so maybe <gasps> something that kelly and i bond over like no other is nintendo like she means it when she says donkey kong country almost came between our friendship <laughs> and likewise banjo kazooie makes me feel ah. so many happy feelings if i just hear the music Bo from banjo kazooie yeah, it, like, makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside. They are, I think that there, there is talk about making a Nintendo theme park. Holy shit. Kelly and I will be there. <laughs> Opening day, baby. Wow. I'm kind of surprised that doesn't exist yet. It needs to. It really does. I want to ride 
the minecart ride and it be Donkey Kong. Is, yes, we've only posted um, three blog entries in the now 16 weeks we've had this podcast. And I think the last one's from November. But on one of the blog entries that we did post, Rachel and I are dressed as Banjo-Kazooie at Dragon Con. And it was super fun. And the three people who knew what we were were really excited about it. (laughs) (laughs) Kelly's banjo was really spot on, but my Kazooie was very loosely interpreted because we kind of wanted to... All the people who tried to do like a literal translation of Banjo-Kazooie, it doesn't work very well. I mean, it is what it is. I was showing a lot of titty and... Rachel was too. (laughs) And likewise. We were as recognizable as Banjo-Kazooie as you can be while showing all of your titties. Yes. Which is super fun and everyone should do at least once. You're really going to own your body every now and then. Why, God? (laughs) That's a great philosophy. (laughs) I don't remember what article this was in. So if you Google this quote, it's really, I don't know, just made me think. Facebook is kind of appropriating the term memory by calling things that it brings up memories. It's like, oh, this happened on Facebook and therefore, you know, this thing happened on Facebook in the past and now it is a memory. And yeah, so in that way, it's kind of pandering to our egotism because it's like, here's this thing that happened. Look at you past you being noteworthy. So in the ways that I like nostalgia as a marketing tool, I don't like that one. That is some Black Mirror shit, yeah. But like you mentioned before, there are a lot of people who seem to have this idea that if it's not on Facebook, it doesn't count. If it's not on social media, it didn't really happen. Yeah, that actually started to bother me recently. I think a lot of people are kind of coming into a disillusionment with social media. Like I was out with my, I don't remember. I want to say I was out with people and something happened and I was like, I want to take a picture of this. But that would have, that thought in and of itself took me out of that moment and took me to my phone. And it was like, I am making myself enjoy this less just to show other people that I'm enjoying it. I had a similar epiphany. It was when I was recently in Hawaii and I did this coastal bus tour and I picked a window seat deliberately it's fucking beautiful. I was looking at these cliffs and this pristine blue water and I had my phone in my purse. Just, I don't know, because I didn't think to take it out of my purse, not deliberately. But I was just really in the moment of this beautiful visual image. And the old man in my seat beside me was like leaning over me trying to take pictures. Well, taking picture after picture after picture. And he was looking at this scene through his camera the entire time. And I eventually just kind of like shouldered him off of me and was like, I'm sorry, no, because I don't know. Don't touch me if you don't know me. Yeah. And also stop. (laughs) But I was thinking that you're not even experiencing this. You're looking at this through a screen just so you can do that again later. Yeah, it's it is really weird. And people do it at like concerts. Oh, that's the fucking worst. Like you're not. You're not going to experience it the same way. It's, it's, your sound quality is going to be terrible. Right. Your video sucks. I don't want to look at your Snapchat story and see a mere, a million horrible snippets of a show. No, no one likes to look at that. And it, it takes away from the experience from everyone around you. Actually, when I was at Ghost, <clears throat> this guy was in front of me. So he didn't want to look at the screen. He wanted to look at the stage like everyone else. So he was holding the screen over his head and enjoying the show. And his screen was right in my line of vision. 
And after a couple of minutes, I was like, I can't fucking deal with this. Because it was a packed show, I couldn't just move around him. So he had on a backwards baseball cap, and I just kind of flipped it off. And he did the look around like, who the fuck was that all aggro? And I was just looking at the stage. (laughs) But that motherfucker put his phone away for like two more songs, so it was worth it. (laughs) A battle hard fought and hard won. Is... I remember telling you this, we were talking kind of about minimalism and how you don't need to own everything that you like, or you don't need to own a representation of everything that you like. Yeah, you really inspired me with that conversation. I do remember. Thanks. Like, I can appreciate something without owning it, basically. Yeah, like if you if you pick a flower, it dies. It's no longer, so you don't, um, but it, it's kind of, it's kind of neat when we, when we like frame things with nostalgia where we're like, um, I'm appreciating the past and it makes me feel a certain way and then we're trying to capture that with like pictures and other things for the future i don't know are you are you better off like i have some pictures of when i went to see um guar and odorous was still alive and i really like those pictures because i'm like yeah og i have i did take a few pictures when i went to see guar and skinny puppy like, those are amazing live shows. Yeah, and it's one thing to, like, I guess it's it's one thing to take a couple of pictures to keep, but a lot of, like you said, like, that guy was recording. Yeah. Like, you're... Oh, yeah, there's definitely... I am totally, totally on board with taking a picture for your memory, because when I'm scrolling through my pictures, I'll be like, oh, shit, there's Guar. That was a fun night, you know? Yeah. It's just kind of neat that we're, like, in the moment, bottling future nostalgia. Yeah, wow, that's true. Putting it right in our pocket. <laughs> right in our nostalgia spank bank. Nostalgia spank bank. You heard it here first, ladies. <laughs> and gentlemen. Actually, you heard it here first, gents. <laughs> yeah, most of our listeners are dudes, if not all of them. Speaking of listeners, we have our first hater. And I was kind of bummed about it, but maybe that means we've made it. <laughs> <laughs> We have expanded our audience to the point that it has exceeded the threshold of people who would just be into it. It has extended beyond our friends and family members into the general public. And hey, that person doesn't like us. You know what? That's okay. Yeah, I I accept it and I'm moving on. I'm okay with us. Because people are also spanking it to this podcast, so... That's true. You gotta take the good with the bad. We've got something for everyone. (laughs) I have a friend who's really into antiques and she bought, um, she lived in Chattanooga for a little while and she bought this Lookout Mountain, um, Moon Pie tin. And I thought it was a really cool looking tin too, but I was like, I don't really need that, whatever. Mm-hmm. But she bought it and when she posted it on Facebook, she said, oh my God, imagine how this is going to look in 50 years. Like she was excited about it being an antique in the future. Oh, Wow. I thought that was kind of adorable. That is cute. Because she has some vintage tins. So I was like, she's making her own vintage tin, but now. So she looks at everything through that lens. Wow. I wonder what lens I look at stuff through. Dystopic. Mm. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, off topic. Have you watched the show Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams yet? I've never heard of this. Oh, I messaged you about it last night, but I knew you were probably drunk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Rachel, I have no memory of that message, so, yeah. I was watching it, and I was like, Kelly would really like this, but she's at club night. I'm just going to tell her so I don't forget. 
And then you're like, like, everybody get naked. I love you. <laughs> yeah, you're, meanwhile, you're posting on the internet. I love everyone. <laughs> everyone is so lovable. Kelly is not the crying drunk. She's not the sad drunk. Kelly is the everyone is lovable drunk. It's true. It's funny because when I started going to this club, I started going by myself. And yeah, now I have no qualms about going to a club by myself. And it's really liberating. But everyone's like, how do you make friends when you go alone? Like, how do you talk to people? I mean, the answer is just, like, love everybody. And I can't help myself when I get a few drinks in me. Someone will be like, hey, I love your outfit. And I'm like, I love you. (laughs) Instant friend. (laughs) (gasps) Drunk Kelly turns into a dog. (gasps) Oh, my God. By day, I am a cat. (laughs) (laughs) But after four or five servings of alcohol, I become canine. I become a cat. Bizarro. Oh my god. <laughs> Mind blown. We always have the same natural balance. Wow, we do. Because I can remember times when you would be like super excited and happy and I would literally be telling people, no, fuck off. I remember that too. And I remember being like, Rachel, let's stay in this club forever. And Rachel's like, it's 2 a.m. and I'm tired. <laughs> We just maintain this natural equilibrium. Wow, that is beautiful. (laughs) We are some lucky hoes. Yes, we are. We're very blessed. Very hashtag blessed. (laughs) So, yeah. So, Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams. It's really kind of like Black Mirror. And when I saw it, I was like, oh, Kelly will probably like this because she liked Black Mirror. And there were a couple of episodes where... Oh, I'm not going to spoil anything. Just watch it. It's on Amazon Prime. Oh, that's why I haven't. Oh, wait, I do have Amazon Prime. Holy shit. Amazon Prime video, baby. I'm going to check that out. And if you're in the mood for an adorable uh, rom-com, The Big Sick. I am never in the mood for those, but I do appreciate the recommendation. (laughs) (laughs) If I'm ever trying to butter someone up, I'll be like, hey, let's watch this rom-com. So, listener, what's your favorite example of nostalgic marketing? Let us know at southernhells at gmail.com. How much do you love being pandered to? Is it as much as us? Or are we an outlier? (laughs) And again, if you are going to spank it to this program, and if you are going to let us know about it, send those emails to kelly at southernhells.com. Well, I guess that about wraps it up. Thanks for listening. See you next Thursday.